The makers of epic pure sunflower oil, purine and pret cooking fat, yum yum peanut butter, maple margarine and niblet's cheese twists present the epic case book. which Inspector Carr investigates. Good evening. Browsing through my casebook of crime, she who is dear to me asked what kind of murder story I was going to include this week. I told her it concerned the killing of a woman and that trains and railwaymen were involved. She reminded me that it was but a few weeks ago that I broadcast the story of a man who was murdered in a railway compartment. However, I justify tonight's theme of murder investigation because I believe ever since the steam engine was first invented, trains have been a source of fascination for us. Largely because there's always an air of mystery and secrecy about a train speeding past at night. And also because people who use trains become a sort of self-contained community for the duration of the journey. I think it is this air of mystery that prompts small boys to have an ambition to become engine drivers, since it means going into the unknown. Having justified my choice of story tonight, let me tell you about it. I've called it Death Among the Sleepers. investigation began, as far as Scotland Yard was concerned, with operations reporting the finding of a woman at the bottom of a railway embankment. Inspector, a call has come through from the Lincolnshire CID asking for assistance. Lincolnshire, eh? Yes, sir. All they've sent through is that a body was discovered at the bottom of a railway embankment about eight miles south of Grantham. How much preliminary investigation has been done by the Lincolnshire boys? Don't know, sir. Would you like us to go there? No, don't bother. Get through to movement control, find out the next available train to Grantham, make them aware of my arrival. Well, there, Inspector Long time no see. Hello, Hudson. Nice of you to meet me. Pleasure. Yes, it has been a long time, about three years, hmm? Sorry to have dragged you all the way up here, but you boys are much better equipped to handle a complicated investigation such as this. <laughs> You're too modest. Now, this woman was found beside the main line, wasn't she? Yes. Two railway gangers were walking along the line, tapping in the wooden blocks that hold the rails to the sleepers when... Thank goodness I'm not doing this job by myself. I go star grave and mad. Walk a yard. Stop, top, top. Walk a yard. Stop. Oh, it gets monotonous. Uh, never mind, Pete. The end's in sight. Yes. Look out there. Step aside. Some rags. Red air. Whoa, what do you mean, red air? It's a body. A woman. Come on. Oh. Horrible. What a mess. 
pretty woman, too. You stay here. I'll go get out of the police. the scene in a matter of minutes. It's obvious that the woman, whoever the woman was, she was either pushed for the train or she fell out. I see. And what does your police surgeon say? Well, we checked against his estimated time of death, which was between half past seven and half past eight last night. We checked for the train authorities. Hmm? Any luck? And more than that, the fast train from Crewe was traveling along that point at the appropriate time. And what's more, the train attendant says that a woman answering her description was a passenger on it. Well, I've been looking at the description operation supplied to me. I've got it here. Yes. Height five foot eight, weight approximately ten stir, green eyes, auburn hair. You know, there are hundreds of thousands of women who'd answer that description. Oh, that's true enough. What you weren't told is that we found her back since reporting her death. It was found in a thicket just behind the body. That's interesting. It should help. It does in one way. There was a ticket from Crewe to London. So she was on the train, all right. There's nothing else in her bag that could identify her as a person. Oh, dear, that's a pity. Uh, if you'll come through, I'll show you. All right. There it is. Uh, there's the clothing. Lacerated and torn. Looks rather good quality. Well, no question about it. We'll trace the woman through these clothes, if nothing else. What's that over there? Is that the handbag? Yes, that's it. Oh, the usual things, you know, lipstick, powder... Feminine fripperies, three pounds, twelve shillings in cash. Anything else that I can use? Not really. Of course, if you want me no, to... No, 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 I'll take care of her. I think the first thing to do is have a word with the railway people. Yes, that ticket was issued yesterday morning at Crewe. I checked with London. They one ticket short, which means that ticket found in this woman's bag is the one issued for that particular train. I see, thank you. Uh, at what speed would the train be travelling at the point where she was found? At approximately 75 miles an hour. It's oh, a horrible way to die. Uh, you received a report from your employees, I take it? Oh, yes, of course. Any likelihood of it being an accident? Inspector, when a train is travelling at such a speed, a person will have great difficulty in opening the door against the wind. She either committed suicide or was pushed out. But not to be caused by an unfortunate accident. Thank you, Oh, we're having one of our artists create what they think the woman looked like before her face was so badly disfigured. Copies of this picture will be in your office within an hour. I'd be grateful if members of the crew, ticket collectors and so on, were asked to identify her. Naturally, Inspector. The Railway Administration will do all it can to assist you in your investigation. However, the response from the artist's impression of the picture was of little help as far as tracing the woman was concerned. While she was unrecognized, no one could give us any information that would assist us in learning her identity or what happened on the train to cause this unknown woman to be found dead by a railway embankment. However, the artist did not draw his picture in vain. Car speaking. Operations here, Inspector. Oh, what have you got for me? A woman found on railway line, uh, identified from pictures of Mrs. Nancy Fordley, 32 Half Moon Street, Crew. Divorced, one child. Right, Arps. Very good, sir. Uh, shall I organise transport? Yes, please. By the time I'd reached Crewe, my local colleagues had all the information I required. The husband of the dead woman was a Mr. Michael Fordley. I was driven to his place of employment. He 
He rose from his office seat, a tall, slightly stooping figure, somewhat balding, with eyes that had a gentle look about them. Gentle and sad. Uh, please, don't get up. I'm sorry to trouble you at your place of employment, but time is of the essence. Yeah, I understand. When Sergeant Henderson came to tell me about it, I couldn't believe it. I haven't told Gertrude. Inspector, I, I don't know what to do. Oh, at six years of age, the shock won't be too much for her. Poor little Gertie. Perhaps they'll give me custody. She's at boarding school, you know, four miles from here. Did you continue to see your ex-wife? Oh, yes. Not by design. Crew may be the railway junction for England, but to us locals, it's just a village. We were always bumping into each other. When did you see her last? Oh, no more than seven or eight days ago. I ran into her in a pub. So I understand. You were heard to threaten your ex-wife. She promised I could see my daughter regularly. She was trying to turn Gertrude against me. According to the local police, she lived rather well. I suppose you were paying her alimony. Yes, but I'm not exactly overpaid as chief clerk by crew engineering works. She couldn't have lived on what I paid her. What am I to make of that? Inspector Carr, I expect you to make of it what you will. You're a man of the world. You mean men. I mean just that. Hmm. Well, there is a remote, a very remote possibility of suicide. Was she in any kind of trouble, do you know? Nancy... Suicide? The idea's ridiculous. Mr. Fordley, had your ex-wife any special man friend? I don't know if special is the right word to use, Inspector. But the whole of crew knows that Norman Simmons was, shall we say, her protector. Norman Simmons, thank you. Oh, do you know his address? You must be joking, Inspector Carr. Didn't you notice as you drove down the street, Simmons Land Development Company and Simmons Garage? Oh, I get the message, Mr. Fordley. Oh, I must ask you this. Why did Mrs. Fordley divorce you? You see, I had to look into your background. I let her divorce me because she asked me to. It's as simple as that. I knew that she'd fallen out of love with me. Kept telling me that our marriage was a mistake, so it was no good hanging on to her. I gave her grounds for divorce. Perhaps I was weak. Shouldn't have let her go. You may as well know it, Inspector. I haven't got over it yet. That's why this has come as such a shock. You see, deep down in my heart, I always felt there was a chance that we might get together again. I'm sorry. That's all right. I know it's silly. But somehow the fact that she was killed whilst we were divorced makes it harder to bear. I suppose you think I'm talking nonsense. No, no, I don't think you're talking nonsense. I understand perfectly. Mr. Norman Simmons, you say? Norman Simmons proved to be the antithesis of the bereaved ex-husband. Where Fordley was sad and beaten, Simmons' personality was the epitome of a good-looking, successful businessman whom life had gazed upon with a kindly eye. Particularly in stark contrast was his bouncy cheerfulness. Well, well, the famous modern Sherlock Holmes has descended upon us. We are indeed honoured. Welcome to crew, Inspector. Thank you. No doubt you were expecting me. I? Why should I, Inspector? A close friend of yours is found dead by a railway embankment. Her identity has become known, causing the entire community of crew to be seething with speculation and excitement and gossip linking her name with yours, Mr. Simmons. Only mine. Frankly, Mr. Simmons, your name seems to be more prominent than the others. Mm, they're wrong. I now prefer fast motor cars to fast women. I got disenchanted with Nancy Fordley months ago. 
You've been described as the famous sleuth of the murder squad, but uh, there's been no mention in the paper that murder had been committed. Was she murdered? That's what I'm trying to find out. Most of the medical evidence suggests it was a case of murder. Have you any idea why or who? No, uh, not as a fact, but uh, if you want me to hazard a guess, I'd say that if any man had reason to push her off the train, it was her ex-husband. Why do you say that? Oh, I suppose you've been to see him. I should imagine the reason would be all too apparent. She drove him into the ground. It's these weak, pitiful men who turn out to be killers, or so my storybooks tell me. You shouldn't believe all you read, Mr. Simmons, and by the same token, a good detective never believes everything he hears. For instance, local gossip has hinted that you were the cause of their marriage breakup. That she was in love with you then. Oh, that's what she told him. <laughs> Nancy pretended to be in love with me because she'd outgrown the poor sap. Our affair was over long before then. When did you last travel to London by train, Mr. Simmons? Oh, come off it, Inspector. <laughs> she and I had some fun together, and that was that. I haven't travelled by train to London for over a week. If you're looking to me as a possible suspect, you're wasting your time. Why don't you check... Every booking clerk, railway porter knows my face. Of course, Norman Simmons' attitude was just a little too forced to be true. His ebullience and overconfidence was meant to impress me with what? His devil macare attitude to life, his innocence... I decided to spend some time with one of the most fruitful sources of information, the landlord of the local hostelry. What a terrible business. She had it coming to her, didn't Nancy Vaudley? Why, she used to carry on in a pub sometimes. You know, making fun of poor Mike as the ex-husband, you know. What about Simmons? Oh, I think she made a match there. If you ask me, he was the only man she really went overboard for. I don't think it was money either. Uh, ruthless swine is Simmons. We certainly got away with the women. Oh, yes. And who was Mrs. Fordley's current boyfriend? It's a funny thing. She didn't seem to go about with one of the locals lately. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Yes, what have you thought of? Yeah, some months ago, she asked me if I knew a district called Urn Hill, seeing as how I come from London originally. Thank you. Thank you, landlord. I think that explains something. I think I'll have another word with the station master. Went up to London quite a lot, she did, almost every week. When did she return? Well, I couldn't tell you exactly, but I know this. She was always here for the weekends. Used to bring her daughter home from boarding school. I see. Well, what about a suitcase? Did she used to come onto the railway platform with a suitcase? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you that. Not the sort of thing anyone would notice, is it? <laughs> no, I don't suppose it is. Oh, uh, how far am I from Half Moon Street? Oh, it's not more than three minutes' walk from here. Using a skeleton key, I entered the tiny terraced house occupied by the now dead woman. Whatever her morals, no one could question her pride in her house. It was spotlessly clean, and in the room that she would describe as her parlor was a framed portrait of her daughter, a smiling, happy little child. Upstairs, the bedroom gave an appearance of neatness. With the inevitable feeling of distaste, I went through her private effects. There was little of value. No love or threatening letters. No diary to reveal her reasons for the frequent trips to London. And then I came across a receipt, which was to save us many hours of questioning. Yes? Operation, Chair Inspector. 
The receipt for six months' rent at Langley Flats is in the name of Oliver Danbury. Yes? Married, three children. Owns the Danbury garage at Norwood. Married, three children. Hmm? Things are holding up. Thanks, Ops. Uh, about that suitcase. Uh, sell the lost property office not to bother. There wasn't a suitcase. Mrs. Fordley had a dual establishment. That's why she could stay overnight in London without having to take any accessories with her. Uh, get X branch to find out whether Danbury was away from work at the time she was killed, whether he'd taken a train going north. He's obviously suspect number one. Very good, sir. I think I'll be a little kind to the man. I'll question him at the garage. Mr. Danbury, I'm inquiring into the death of a Mrs. Nancy Fordley. Uh, I wondered when you... when the police would be on to me. Why do you say, on to you? As soon as I saw that artist drawn in the paper, I knew that my life was over. Because you killed her? Because I... because I what? You don't think I pushed her off the train? How do you know she fell from the train? Well, because I always go around to her... to her flat. She never turned up. I wonder what had happened, and then two days later I saw that, that drawn of her in the paper. When we published the artist's impression in the newspapers, we did not know her identity. Why didn't you come forward? Well, it said that the police, that, that you people were anxious for information concerning her identity. I hadn't got the guts. I was afraid my wife would find out what had been going on. What do you mean, going on? Were you in love with Mrs. Ford? I hated her. Hated her? Yet you paid the rent for her flat in Herne Hill. Oh, I've been going through her bank book. She's been getting regular remittances. Weren't they from you? Yeah, yeah, I kept her. You won't understand this. I didn't love her. I hated her. And yet I wanted her. I couldn't get her out of my system. Was she blackmailing you, Mr. Danbury? Sometimes. Sometimes I'd tell her to go away. It was a torment. I know I've been weak. I've been unfaithful to me wife. And yeah, I loved her. I've got three, three wonderful kids. Besides that, she's begging with my little fingers. I'd be, I'd be running out. Oh, excuse me. Were you on that train? No, no, it's Where were you between half past seven and half past eight on Tuesday night? I was having supper with my wife and kids. Please, please, does my wife have to know? Mr. Danbury, I'm not concerned with your morals, nor with your domestic relationship. If I find it necessary to check on your alibi with your wife, I'll do so. Despite my threat... My suspicions concerning Oliver Danbury began to fade. It seemed extremely unlikely that he would travel all the way to Crewe, book a ticket back to London, and board the train in search of his mistress in order to kill her. And so, I was back to square one. And then I remembered something, something that I should have taken into consideration from the very beginning. Cursing myself for being such a thick-headed fool, I started from scratch. Yes, sir? Put me through to Ops. Going through. Operation, sir. Oh, Carr speaking. Get through to crew. Tell them I strongly suspect Norman Simmons of killing Nancy Fordley. I don't believe she was on that train at all. But, sir. But me no buts. Now, there's a good chap. We've got all our times wrong. She was killed between 7 and 8.30. But that doesn't mean that she was murdered at the spot where she was found. In the meantime, I have another word with Mr. Danbury. Ah, Mr. Danbury, I want to... Relax, yes. oh boy, relax. You're off my list of suspects. Oh, oh thank heaven. It wasn't for myself. It... I haven't time for your unctuous self-pity. You deserve the shock you've got. Now, here are some amounts. These paying-in slips were taken from the Herne Hill flat. There's one here for £100. Did you ever give her a hundred pounds in one sum? One hundred pounds? Of course not. I mean, I'm not that rich. Significantly, it was in cash. 
Someone was being blackmailed. She's in quite a character, didn't Mrs. Ford? Yes, was... my friend. If you'd carried on your relationship with this woman, you'd have gone one way. Talking about ways, I think I'd better hire me back to crew. I don't think I've ever seen so many passengers station master. Uh, not surprising, Inspector. This is the main railway junction. You might call this the nerve centre of the railway system. You remember I asked you if you were able to recognise Mrs. Fordley as being one of the passengers? You said yes, but you didn't sound very sure. Well, uh, she... Uh... She usually caught that train to London. Yes. Eh? But you're not sure, are you? Well, Inspector, that's the bus train to London. Carried over 800 passengers. It's the longest train in operation. I don't feel too badly, Station Master. According to her description, there was nothing outstanding. In fact, I remembered saying at the time many women were of that height, weight, and colouring. Thank you for letting me off the hook. Before we were able to identify Mrs. Fordley, one of our artists made an impression of her face, which was terribly disfigured. Did you see it in the paper? Yes. Now, when you looked at it, did you think that's Mrs. Fordley who lives in Crewe? No. That clinches it. Because when this was shown to the guard and the train attendants, they thought they recognized her because there must have been a dozen women on that train answering to that description. In fact, Mr. Stationmaster, I'm willing to wager my non-existent bowler hat that Mrs. Fordley was never on that train. But, Inspector, All she was in fine. good time, Stationmaster. I have a feeling that the answers to all the questions will soon become available. Mr. Simmons, I'm looking for an answer to a vital question. I think you can supply it. I gave answers to all your questions, Inspector, the last time you were here. Don't tell me you haven't crossed me off your list of suspects. Mr. Simmons, when it comes to an investigation of murder, we have at our disposal a vast network of machinery. What do you mean? I'm trying to suggest that we both can save a great deal of time if you answer my question truthfully. Where were you between the hours of 7.30 and 8.30 last Tuesday night? I've already told you I wasn't on that train. That isn't what I asked you, is it? At home, having a drink. All the time? Yes. You weren't, you know. At 7.40, that super-duper glamorous sports car of yours that you're so proud of was seen by a radio patrolman and by Sergeant Watson of the County Mobile Police to be travelling towards Grantham. I don't possess the only Loxton sports car in the country. No, of course you don't. Why didn't you tell me that Mrs. Fordley was blackmailing you? I have a sworn statement from a cashier at the Crewe National Bank that you drew 101 pound notes from your bank the same day as Mrs. Fordley deposited a like amount in one pound note. I don't know what all this is leading to. Don't you? What a horrible thing to do. Murder's bad enough, but to disfigure the woman's face to make it look as if she'd fell from a train. Look here, Inspector. I've stood just about enough from you. Are you charging me with murder? You know that the sports car speeding towards Grantham isn't sufficient grounds for a prosecution. Just because you failed in your investigation, you're trying to make me a, a stooge, I think is the word. You should have been a bit more careful, you know. Those wild-growing brambles. Didn't you notice the nick in your jacket? In my... my jacket. Ah, uh, and all that soot and dust. Lucky it didn't rain. Perfect footprints. And fancy handling the woman without any gloves. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Really, I didn't. She came round here, taunted me told me that she was on her way to the station. She knew I was going to get engaged as Sir Robert Anderson's daughter. I picked up a, that brass paperweight. I just went berserk. Then she was dead. A reserved railway seat ticket fell from her pocket. It was then that I had the idea of faking an accident or suicide beside the railway. All right, come along with me. Well done, Carr. 
I might as well tell you that the railway authorities are very relieved. And it turned out to be an accident. The dead woman's executors would have a large claim for damages on behalf of the bereaved daughter. Let's see. She was found dead last Tuesday night, and it's now Friday morning. Quick work. Quick work, you say? This case would have been solved in 48 hours if you and I had noticed a piece of evidence we'd overlooked. We wouldn't have wasted time questioning porters, station masters. Oh, what was it? Well, you've gone through the dossier. And you listeners were told all the evidence gathered during my investigation. What was it that made me switch suddenly? Remember that I declared that I'd have to get back to square one? You know what it was? We're not sure? Well, listeners, what was it? What was it that I had overlooked during the preliminary investigations? It was this. If you remember, we heard that the train was travelling at a speed of 75 miles an hour at the point where the body was found. Yet, Inspector Hudson himself told me... We found the handbag. It's found in a thicket just behind the body. Get it now? If a woman is thrown from a train travelling at that speed, A, it's extremely unlikely that she will still be clutching her handbag, and B, in the unlikely event that she did so, the bag would be thrown some hundreds of yards away from the body. Certainly it would not be discovered behind a thicket where the body was found. A foolish mistake on Norman Simmons' part. And the moral of the story, Confucius says, fast car with fast woman cause man to lose throttle. Good night. The Epic Casebook was produced by Michael Silver for the makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Maple Margarine, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, and Niblet's Cheese Twists, with Hugh Russ as Inspector Carr. Listen again next Thursday night at 9.30 to another exciting story from our... Epic Casebook. <laughs> <laughs>